The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's police chief announcing his plans to improve relations with the city's racialized and underserved communities. Chief Dale McPhee has committed to what he calls a, a new path forward, which will come through extensive community engagement. Now, police saying they vow to talk and listen to more than 50 groups about their experiences and concerns, and everything will go through the chief's office from now on. Chief McPhee says that changes then will come as soon as possible. Chief Dale McPhee joins us this afternoon. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Jillian. Uh, I appreciate uh, taking the time. All right. Uh, yesterday, uh, a big day. How long, um, well, you know, when, when you start to look at what has happened over the past couple of months and uh, and the voices that have been raised in, in unity and really the spotlight that's been shone on, 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 on police and uh, systemic racism. Um, tell me the process from, from the hearings through the council meetings to, to yesterday's announcement. Well, I mean, it was a, a culmination of things, just as you mentioned. And, you know, I think uh, everybody's heard the voices, not just in the city of Edmonton, but, you know, basically across the world. And it's something, uh, this particular change, as we've discussed before, we were working on, um, you know, uh, the direction in per se, I don't think has changed. I think what's really changed, though, is the momentum and the ability to do it maybe quicker than anticipated. And, uh, you know, uh, we've often said uh, we feel that we have to do our part. And if there's things that we have to change as, as a police service, then we need to do that. But we also need to work with the community and creating that uh, safety and, and wellness balances. Uh, you know, as I've often said, Edmonton has two particular issues. Uh, mm-hmm. One's got a high rate of crime, violence in particular, and it's been around for a long time. And we've talked some of the reasons, meth, et cetera, in relation to that. And then we have high social issues and, you know, those disproportionately drive our calls for service, but those aren't the same solutions. So what we really want to go is we want to talk to the communities, you know, and have good uh, balanced conversations and determine what steps and what things that we can actually action and we can do differently to engage our community and get our community involved to make our city safer. So, you know, as much as it's been hard, it's particularly hard for a lot of our frontline officers, it's very much a big opportunity and we need to make sure that we're doing that with the community and we can't wait. Chief, we know that uh, Vision 2020 has been in in place for for quite some time. I mean, work has been underway on a, a number of different things. This is just going to be a, you know, another uh, push on uh, on that. It's going to be an in addition to this. Yesterday during your your presentation, um, you said numerous times. Uh, our commitment is to action. Our commitment is to action, not a call to form another committee. What makes what was announced yesterday different than the past? Well, I think it's exactly that commitment to action. Like, you know, if our first meeting uh, comes out and we get some good ideas and solutions come from it, then we don't need to wait to the till we're done all of our meetings. Let's go. So, uh, you know, what uh, uh, incremental change? 
changes can we make uh, based on the conversation that we do that actually allow uh, local community solutions? And what I mean by local is I mean community. Edmonton's a very diverse city, and many of the communities in this particular city have different solutions and or some have different problems. Uh, it doesn't mean their problems are less. It just means that, you know, we don't have to wait to do one solution and think there's a magic pill to this. We just need to figure out, okay, if, if, if we've got a list of 10 things and three of these things just make a lot of sense to the community, a lot of sense to the police, let's change it. And we need to track those and we need to monitor it and we need to set measurement around them. So that's the commitment we're looking for, which is very much along the lines, as you mentioned, with our vision and 2020 strategy. Mm-hmm. It's just that allows us to make sure that it's lockstep uh, with our communities in, in, in making those changes. You said yesterday the most important thing, uh, and this is a quote from you, the most important thing I will say is systemic racism is a pervasive force in society, institutions, organizations, and traditions face a reckoning against that fact. And you went on to say there is no place for any form of racism in policing nor in our communities. Acts of racism, hatred, and discrimination are, are unacceptable and must be dealt with accordingly. Um, and then you went on to also say that you're impressed with the majority of many officers. I mean, the thing is with with racism and, and, and discrimination, um, oftentimes that is like an ingrained, learned behavior that, uh, you know, stems from years ago. How do you change that? Well, that's exactly it. It's, uh, you know, as you, I think, have captured very well, systemic racism is in all forms of our society, and it's it's in many of our institutions, and it was actually part of how we, let's say, how it, how it, uh, we matured as a, as a country. Um, and I, but I think at the same time, to that point, is we've made a lot of gains and a lot of steps, and, you know, I take the police service, we've done some really good things on, you know, represent, under, underrepresented uh, members of our community and our hiring practices, we're making great strides on that. We've adjusted some of our training, perhaps we need to adjust some more, you know, you know, if you look at some of our public complaints, we now have a civilian in charge of it here in our police service. and But there's, again, you could now go to civilian oversight. But I think that has to be looked at in all of our entities or all of our institutions. I mean, if you think about it, it's it's it's, it's big, right? Uh, policing the Indian Act, policing the LGBTQ, we've, we've talked about that. Uh, education, certainly the residential schools. If you look at, you know, health outcomes, if you look at social service, Indigenous kids in care, it's, it's just to continually make sure that you're making a concentrated effort of improvement uh, and, 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 and benchmarking those improvements. Um, because, and then at the same time, if that still exists in your organization, let's use the Edmonton Police Service for an example. If we have somebody committing a racist act, then we need to have a discipline process and we need to make sure that discipline process reports to the chief's office and mm-hmm. that it is taken serious and it's dealt with accordingly. But those are very few uh, examples, but few examples are too many, and we need to make sure that we're all diligent when those acts are, that we hold people accountable for them, and we actually try to repair that relationship. So I don't think it's any one thing. I think it's a culmination of things, but I think the thing is is to not let it fall back to the back seat again mm. and just be an afterthought, uh, and that's what we're trying to do at EPS, having it report directly to the chief's office and making sure that that we're looking at in a comprehensive 
uh, manner that's uh, has more than one uh, uh, set of eyes on it and more than looking at more than one thing. Like, I mean, can we look at things in training? You bet we can. Can we look at things in partnerships in relation to delivering uh, the way services are delivered? You bet we can. Can we make sure that uh, uh, a discipline process or recommend that an independent discipline process exists? You bet we can, and we have. And I think all of those things are incremental steps to making it uh, the sum of the parts better. Um, there was a lot of uh, positive action words that, that were used uh, yesterday, um, you know, talking about uh, the, the Edmonton Police Service uh, being a standard bearer for change, that the world dem- demands accountability, that you're not launching a study or a task force, um, that, that you're beginning a new chapter of rebuilding relationships. And, and, uh, and you said you understood that there's going to be skepticism there. And, you know, I, one of the comments that I heard yesterday saying, you know what, um, uh, one fellow said he doesn't really see this as much different than what we've seen in the past and said it's easy for these types of things to get bogged down. How do you, how do you ensure that that doesn't happen? Well, you know what? I would rather focus on those people with the positive outlook, bluntly honest. And I mean, this is really going to take a consortium that's willing to say, let's try something different. Let's not be uh, afraid to fail and let's make sure there's actions and let's hold each other accountable to actions. You know, as I said yesterday, uh, Jalen, and, and I think it's important to reiterate, we've got a lot more problem identifiers in the city with very <laughs> few solutions than we have problem solvers. And what we're really trying to do is find those consortium of the willing, those people in our community uh, that want to try some new things, that want to solve real problems and not just laying blame on others, uh, you know, whether it be the police or, or the police blaming community. This is about getting together and come up with a collective outcome that you're a partnership, that you defend each other's uh, moves and you move forward and you try some things. What's really been missing in these equations isn't been the dialogue, and that's what I said from the start. Uh, what's been missing is the actions. Mm. I mean, you know, everybody thinks an action is to shift money from one organization to another. Well, that's been done many, many times before, and it's never worked. I'm not sure why we try it again. What's really been missing is how do you put some of the parts, the collective outcomes, and, and different agencies and different groups working together for a common cause and a, com- and a, and a common vision or a common goal? I think that's what we're committed to do differently. And, you know, does it have to be, do we have to solve the world's problems? No. Uh, But if we can get 20% of the system, that's a lot of healthier people. Mm -hmm. And that's a big savings uh, to our uh, city, uh, certainly in our taxpayer, with better outcomes. And it helps, you know, refresh and, and, and bring some reprieve to a struggling economy. So I think it's imperative. And the timing right now has never been better. And I think for those reasons, economics better outcomes for people, you know, a new path forward. You know, I I consider this as one thing that we can't fail. And, uh, you know, we hope that those uh, optimistic people are the ones that are going to come out and work with us. Uh, Quite frankly, there's been skeptics and criticism and everything that's done, and that's really never got us anywhere. (laughs) I think social media is a really, really good example of that right now. Yeah, you're telling me. Um, Last year, um, you made made an apology uh, to the uh, LGBTQ to spirit uh, community promise to work moving forward with that community to uh, to deal with the issues that the community there has raised. What have you learned from that process so far that that might be able to be uh, applied to this one moving forward? 
I learned, uh, well, we learned, I guess is a better statement, that little things make a big difference. Yeah, you know, little things that we've changed in some of our sensitivities, some of our training, how we report things, how we document things, make a big difference to how a person feels on the other end. And we've made many of those changes, and we got many more changes to make as a result of that as we move forward. And, uh, and then on the other side of that is actually having the community help build it rather than build it and taking it to the community has made a world of difference. So I think, uh, you know, collecting that input and making changes that were asked for, maybe some of them are tweaked to, to make it impractical, but I think that's exactly taught us the lesson of some of the things that we can do real quickly. Of course, there's always going to be things that take more time if you're talking about any kind of legislative change or, you know, for instance, in police discipline, if we're going to go a third-party independent, mm-hmm. that's going to take some time because you have other stakeholders such as governments and others involved in that. Does it mean you don't keep pushing but I think the momentum is built when you can make those small incremental changes immediately and that's what people start buying in and that's when people start believing that what's for real and we're already our intention is to do that as soon as we can on those things that just seem like wow that just makes a whole lot of sense and why can't we do that and tell us about the chief's community council well, when I came in, uh, one of the things that we had was a chief's advisory council. And, you know, just to give you an example, we had an Indigenous advisory council. We had a black African-Canadian uh, council. We had a, we had very many different ones, a Somali council, a Jewish council. And, you know, we were really running these things independent of each other. And what we're trying to move to now is a more of a comprehensive collective council where all all of those uh, individual agencies, as many as you can, are, are represented to it. And that the solutions then and how you go into one of those communities is different. So don't identify a problem by a race. Identify a solution uh, through the race in relation to how do you go to the community. So there'll be some shifts in how they're structured. And then the other point is, is you know, we just don't want to have something where we're just getting around to talk. We want to have meaningful agendas with actionable items to use those folks and their time wisely to make change in our community. So, so a few uh, tweaks to that, and you know, and then hopefully through this process, then go through a bit of an application process with some people that are interested in doing that with us, and you know, putting a extra level of attention and detail to that to actually start to drive some outcomes and not again. Uh, we seem, uh, having walked the beat the other day, is we seem like we have a lot of outputs going on here, but I'm not sure in relation to the collective response that we are getting the outcomes that we're trying to desire as a city. And I think we, as the police, need to probably lead some of that. And I don't mean own it, but I just mean add our voice and get underneath people. Uh, and that's what we're prepared to do. Chief, I, I, I know you've got a, a busy day ahead of you, and I thank you for your time. Just a couple of more questions just on, um, you know, a couple other aspects of this. I know uh, last week um, the EPS unveiled some of its new uh, equipment that um, that has has come on board for you know police protection for responding to different uh, to different issues. I read a number of people saying that um, that um, some of that equipment was quite tone deaf, given what has happened over the past couple of months. Um, you know, the the one big um, vehicle that looks almost like kind of tankish almost um people were saying you know what is that what i i thought we were supposed to be going the other way what do you say to those people who were looking at that equipment saying what's going on here 
You know, it's a, it's a great question. I had this question actually asked at the media conference yesterday, and let, let me try to get the same answer. Um, first of all, Edmonton has two issues going. They've had a serious or a violent crime issue for many, many years. Uh, I can probably, I can't even, like, it's long. It's it's obviously more than two digits. It's It's been a lot of years. That's the violent crime. And then we have huge social issues that have existed probably as long, if not longer. Uh, that That's really what's disproportionately driving our calls for service. Those aren't the same solution. Mm. Those are both important. But we've had 101-plus shootings this year already. We're taking guns off the street on a regular basis, over 1,000 a year. And we're well on our pace this year with the COVID and some of the violence has escalated in certain months. But that's not our vulnerable population. And I think people need to understand that. We don't have that equipment to go police our vulnerable population. And, you know, I think in all the protests that I can remember in the recent past, we used bicycles. Yep. Bicycles. But two days ago, we had a shooting where another individual took a life in our city of another elderly individual. That particular piece of equipment was used to go and pull that individual out of there and bring him to safety. You need both of those, but don't confuse them. And, and this is something that, if, you know, if we could actually get this conversation separated and stop thinking that they're the same thing, because they're fundamentally different. There's a group of people in our city that choose to commit crime and choose to disrupt and harm other individuals. And in fact, they're responsible for over 50%, if you look at staff, uh, staff can statistics in this country, for recidivism in the justice system. Those are not our vulnerable population. I was walking the beat the other day. You know, if you mm-hmm. look at our vulnerable population, where do they come from? What's the breakdown of them? I think it's easy probably to track that, but those people aren't out there for the most part, the ones that we're really trying to help, who have a great relationship with our frontline beat officers where they know each other by first name, which is actually heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Those aren't the people shooting at each other. So I think we should start to differentiate this conversation and stop letting social media uh, portray this as the same thing. We had a terrorist attack a few years ago. Mm -hmm. We had an officer killed a few years ago where that equipment was used. When you need that equipment to protect your public and safety, that is absolutely paramount. And I mean, the fact that this equipment takes so long to get that it was actually in 2017 and ordered in 2018 and just delivered, is it the best timing? Probably not. But is it still the right decision? Yes, I believe it is. Chief McPhee, I'm going to leave it there. Always good to talk with you. Thank you for joining us once again this afternoon on 630 Chet Afternoons. Thanks, Jalen. Edmonton Police Chief Dale McPhee this afternoon. Some of your texts coming in. Haas says history suggests this is all lip service. Not near enough bad actors are being terminated for their transgressions. And AMFM says the chief doesn't need to defend the equipment purchase. An urban assault vehicle like that sends the right message to vile, deviant thugs that you are not going to screw with us.